0: This is an Irish independent podcast. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Pride sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello welcome to Real Health, me Carl Henry in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, I won't lie, I am extremely excited today. I've got someone in studio with me who I love to talk to. It's like a busman's holiday when we catch up and he's going to give us lots of content over the course of the next 25 minutes. Earlier this month, the WHO released a report that said obesity had reached epidemic proportions in Europe, the disease causing 200,000 cancer cases and 1.2 million deaths a year. Here in Ireland, over 6 in 10 adults are overweight or obese and we ranked 9th in the table of 15 countries for obesity. It's scary stuff, they're scary stats and we need to chat a little bit more about it and to discuss obesity, the impact it has on our health and how the HSC is aiming to treat it. I'm delighted and honoured to be joined by Donald O'Shea, HC Clinical Lead for Obesity. Donald, a very big welcome back to
1: the show. Yeah, no, delighted to be back and delighted we're discussing the issue again.
0: Absolutely, so since the last time we chatted, obviously WHO have come out recently enough, big scary numbers, big scary stats and... Uh, for probably about three days, scared everybody. And then it's kind of falling into the background as per normal.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's a massive report. Like it's a 222 page, uh, the most comprehensive report and the most up to date. But it's still based on statistics that finish in 2016. Okay. Doesn't take into account what's happened as a result of COVID. And we know what COVID has done has caused a bump in overweight and obesity particularly in adolescents and, and young adults. Um, and that will translate into later life. So this report for me, um, you know, I've been um, and we've a lot of us have been very disappointed with the progress we're making in Ireland around, uh, you know, preventive measures. The pace isn't quick enough uh, access to treatment. Uh, we're in the bottom 10 uh, countries in the developed world. And uh, that's very disappointing. The only reassuring thing for me in this report is that every single country, the graph is the same. It's upward. So there is no country that's currently winning in prevention. There are other countries that are doing much better on the treatment side. uh, But whatever we're doing in any country, uh, the food and drinks industry and the physical activity environment is still winning in terms of driving uh, weight in, in the wrong direction at a population level.
0: And is that even in the likes so of the Nordic countries, you know, Fin because they'd always been kind of the poster boys in many respects?
1: Yeah, the Nordic countries, you have pockets of regions within uh, those uh, countries that have done well for a short period of time, uh, but you take the overall population. Uh, so you, you look in, at the Irish data and you drill down into it. If you go to the better off, uh, better educated areas uh, in Ireland. The rates in children are downtrending okay. for overweight and obesity. Uh, the trouble is it's being uh, disguised when you take the whole population by the less well off, less educated areas where it's uh, continuing to rise. Um, and, and the rise in those areas is bigger than the decline in the, in the better off uh, areas. So we're uptrending.
0: OK, so, so so the report was built on 2016 stats. And since then, your take on it is things have got worse.
1: Uh, things have definitely uh, got worse. We have that data from the UK who do very uh, particular uh, measurements in their five-year-olds and 12-year-olds annually as they go uh, transition from different stages in school. And the last year's data uh, was a bump of 25% on uh, previous years in terms of the overweight levels in their uh, children and adolescents, So and you think about the restrictions and and the impact that had on kids, physical activity, their social interaction, uh, everybody's food environment changed during COVID.
0: And initially it changed, I think, for the better, because maybe that was our take on it. But with the, the forced stay at home, forcing people to stop, you saw a huge rise in the people doing marathons on balconies and press-up challenges and all that. I think for the first couple yeah. of months, people did try and get healthy and tried to... There was a lot of cook-along-y stuff and all of that. And then it actually went... People went the, the opposite. They just got fed up with the lockdowns That's the right. I, I
1: think, you know, and I think uh, there's definitely... There is more home cooking going on. There is more home preparing. I mean, it's going on because of COVID. Uh, but there has also been an absolute, uh, you know, spike or, you know, uh, growth in the uh, Deliveroo, Just Eat, uh, Click and, uh, you know, you, you can have it delivered. Uh, so I think uh, people may be eating a little more healthily, uh, but with COVID we're eating more often and we're defaulting to the takeaways more often than we were, I think, across the whole population.
0: And it's important to say that a takeaway every now and again is perfectly normal, fine, healthy it's the it's the quantity of takeaways we may have
1: it's it's the quantity it's in, it's the portions yeah uh within the takeaways um and it's the, the the frequency of it um and you know people say to me you know well pizza is very bad for you you know pizza does not have to be bad for you you can have a really v- lovely healthy pizza and we'd have pizza at home uh probably once a week uh uh not takeaway um but you know so you you can't brand a food and say that's bad yeah uh, f- food is food right yeah, yeah food is food is food for the most part yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's portion size and frequency and if you can look after both of those then uh you uh, are much more likely to trend towards a, a healthier weight
0: so frequency that that's a personal responsibility, presumably. The frequency that you order the food and and uh, that comes down to obviously stress uh, reactions, but also to the handiness, the portion thing. That brings us naturally to kind of calories on calorie counts and calories on menus. Very topical yeah. over the course of the last couple of weeks. I heard yourself on with Adrian Cummins and Claire Byrne a few a few days ago. Yeah, I, mean, I have my own take on it, but I'm fascinated with on your take on it. it we probably lion, I would think. But
1: yeah, I mean, I I've. I went to New York in 2010 or 2011 to have a look at how they were doing uh, that, was, calorie that, was for,
0: posting. that was for the TV show, wasn't it? That was, that, for, yeah, yeah, that, that was Operation for Operation yeah, Transformation.
1: Yeah, yeah. a lovely trip. And two things happened on that trip. Uh, the New York City Department of Health, uh, the, the head of that said to me, yeah, calorie posting is good because it works. Uh, so, you know, push for it. But if you can get a sugar tax in, that would be even better. So I came back from that trip kind of with two agendas. Uh, The the calories and menu boards has been, you know, it works. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's proven to work. It's proven to impact by about 100 calories per purchase for 30% of people who are looking at the menu. That's a massive huge reach. At population level, genuinely only vaccination would have that kind of population reach as a health measure. So this is something that works. We've had ministers after ministers say yeah. we will legislate. It will be the law of the land. And uh, we're still sitting here hearing that it's been shelved. Uh, and, you know, for me, that's a quick win. Uh, get it done. Get it done properly uh, for. 90 percent of restaurants and 70 percent of their offerings uh you know it doesn't necessarily have to apply to specials uh and and it doesn't have to apply necessarily to uh, sole traders as restaurants and, but, and
0: nor does it have to be 100 percent accurate it can be a ballpark exactly of because i know one of the big pushbacks from in industry is the fact that it's the cost of getting it counted up it's the cost of it's it's even if it's 80 percent accurate or close enough to accurate it'll if, and even myself if i go to uh, get a burger randomly, which sometimes we do. I absolutely, yeah, absolutely do. That's normal. Yeah. There's uh, a couple of the fast food restaurants who have put their calories on the menus in yeah. the restaurants and in the drive throughs, and even for someone who's in the industry, you, it absolutely impacts your decision. Or if the burger has 500 calories or 600 calories, you'll know that across the rest of your day you have a deficit to, in some respect, to allow for, not to allow for that, but you know what I mean? That, yeah. to, to have it as a and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and you'll you'll have the burger and I think it's like you'd say the portion of fries that's got either I can go 440 calories or 660 calories. So go the 440 and you just it just influences your your decision making. And and I think the other thing that the New York Department of Health were, were strong on is it is the conversation on the road to introducing it that's important. So we have been discussing this in Ireland for the last 12 years. Um, and, and that brings with it awareness of the fact that energy in is important. Uh, the amount of calories you consume is important and you'd like to know it. And the degree to which the food and drinks industry oppose us finding out what's in what we eat. I mean, they don't want us to know and they are opposed to front of label, uh, front of pack food labeling which the consumers 95% of consumers want because the more information we have the more they will have to modify what they're putting into it and that kind of reformulation that's where the sugar tax won when the sugar tax was introduced apart from the money it's raising uh, all of the major uh, drinks companies uh, introduced uh, sugar free uh varieties yeah and you suddenly had people going in able to, uh, you know, have one of their favoured products and uh, zero sugar, close to zero calories.
0: Chat to me about weight and the impacts of weight. OK, so I, I know it, it's, it's my job. It's, yeah. what I, 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 it's the world they live in and the, the world I, I, I deal with from a work perspective. But you know, we talk about weight for a reason, which is the fact that by being obese and, and we have a few issues with that, the weights become very normal. So that one stone overweight is now normal. Two stone overweight is now pretty much normal. Yeah. But by being obese, that so the more overweight you are, you're at a higher risk of pretty much everything in terms of health related issues and health related diseases. And even in terms of the aging process and how we age, yeah. that we're aging uh, less healthy or more unhealthy because of the fact that we're carrying more weight than we should.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the uh, the effects of of weight are uh, they're mental, uh, they're physical, uh, they're financial. Um, and uh, you. Uh, but the, the, and I think that the first and the most important really uh, is is that psychological effect uh, and, and the seeds that are sown in the uh, adolescent or child who uh, has overweight or obesity um, and and the stigma and shame that they suffer. So if you have overweight and, uh, from an early age, uh, that's the environment that you're living in. A few years ago, we started to bring patients to any talks we were doing. And I remember walking through Dublin airport with a patient for the for the first time and actually seeing the looks that she was getting and the comments and the looks I was getting for being with her. So that the psychological effects are are massive. Uh, the physical effects, uh, you know, there is there's that very physical, you know, it, the strain on your joints, uh, but the inflammation that goes hand in hand with excess adipose tissue uh, drives every disease, I mean, there's 220 diseases now that we know uh, are linked to uh, having uh, obesity or overweight. Uh, The big ones we know about the diabetes, the hypertension that leads to heart disease. Uh, The cancer story is emerging, uh, you know, with more strength every single year. And it's, it's, it's not just having cancer, but it's your ability to uh, respond to the treatments you get. Uh, One of the really encouraging stories of of COVID was after that fear with the first wave where individuals who had obesity were really more susceptible to severe illness uh, to getting into ICU and to dying. uh, Either having COVID or getting vaccinated uh, gave you Fantastic protection uh, as an individual with obesity and for with all previous um, vaccinations and pandemics, uh, the vaccines haven't worked in people with obesity. And uh, it's it's amazing that it has been that effective. Um, So.
0: Okay, so it makes a big difference it, it, from every aspect as we get older in terms of being overweight or obese, folks. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Two other topics I really want to chat to you about. The other one that's an obvious go to after the, the chat. There is childhood obesity. What do you do with? I know I have strong opinion, uh, quite strong opinions on it in terms of what I think as a society we need to do, and that's based around, I suppose, if I, by way, if I was a minister, I would say, okay, I would, I would, I would test schools and I would test fitness levels and I'd incentivize bleep tests and fitness scores. You get an extra 50 points in your leaving search if you go past seven in in the bleep test or something like that to incentivize the idea. It's such a topical area, weight and children, weight and childhood obesity, that people are almost afraid to even discuss it, which is why I'm delighted that we're discussing it. What, what, What do you do? How do you? Fix is the wrong word. What do you do
1: I think uh, the the WHO report is a bit depressing, again, from that point of view, because it shows every country is uptrending overall and every country is struggling. Uh, how do you deal with it? I mean, you, you have to go back to the basics uh, of, um, you know, energy regulation and healthy pregnancies into a healthier food environment. So. We have the lowest breastfeeding rates in the developed world and the highest uh, percentage of people that are breastfeeders in this country are uh, the uh, immigrant populations Uh, and their breastfeeding rates are good. Uh, You make a decision. So a, a girl of 14 has already decided whether she is going to breastfeed or not based on the environment that she has grown up in and the attitude that's been shown to it, uh, they will know by that age. So if you really want to fix childhood obesity, you have to be in the schools, educating the parents of 15, 20 years time Mm -hmm. so that they're thinking about uh, being, you know, healthy. It's a given that they will breastfeed. And it is a given that they will prioritize not only their uh, kids nutrition, but their own nutrition, because uh, as role models within families and that's what parents uh, are, uh, if the kids see you doing it, they're going to do it.
0: Um, Next up is genetics become more and more popular over the course of the last, of the last while in terms of the genetic ro- component of obesity. I know how I am genetically built. I gain weight really quickly. It takes me a little bit longer to lose weight. I've been like that since I was a kid. I have sometimes where I put on weight and sometimes when I don't. Uh, but it, 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 people are fascinated by the genetic component of obesity. That you're, are, are you predisposed to it? Are you not? But also, is there a role, even if you are predisposed to it, to personal choice?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's, uh, you know, several hundred genes now that have been linked to uh, having overweight and obesity. Uh, Some of those have a big role and most have a very small role. And uh, there is a massive genetic predisposition to your ability to, to put on weight, which in survival terms back in the hunter gatherer day was a big advantage. And now in the environment we live in, uh, putting on weight easily is is a disadvantage. Uh, There are uh, treatments being developed around, um, you know, certain uh, of of these genetic uh, abnormalities. So uh, now when we're taking a history from a patient, Uh, coming to our clinic, we ask, did you put your weight on? You know, when did the weight start going on? If you start putting your weight on under the age of five and had uh, obesity as a specific problem, then there is a 25% chance that you have uh, a particular uh, gene uh, abnormality that we can test for. And there is a treatment uh, that uh, you will be able to start that will uh, reduce your weight by 30%. Uh, And that is a treatment that is now uh, available in Europe. Of course, it's very expensive, but uh, we're we're getting to a point where uh, the small contribution of many genes, uh, which is just kind of your family tendency versus individual gene defects. Um, and I don't like using the word defect, but gene mm-hmm. changes yep. uh, are going to be targetable. Uh, and this uh, new uh, drug uh, is going to change uh, the lives of some people who were especially predisposed yep. to putting weight on. And, and so, and you know, under the age of five, no matter what your food environment, you really should be burning burning, burning and just on the go all the time so that you shouldn't have significant obesity. So that's a question we're now bringing into our, our if you like, our assessments.
0: So there are genes there that that absolutely increase your chances of having it. But yeah. still, the choices you make will determine the, the maybe that the, the the level to which you have it
1: correct. And, and you know, we, we do know they've, they've done some fantastic work on this. You, you're you have a genetic predisposition to obesity, but if you have a an environment and a, a, an activity and a, an eating lifestyle that is, you know, pro a healthy weight, then you can negate eighty five, ninety percent of that genetic predisposition. Uh, it's it's as much as that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and your food activity environment and your physical activity environment involves a huge amount of personal responsibility. And in the current environment, you know, for me, the fact that, you know, we'd say it's, it's bad that we have 25 percent of our children have overweight or obesity, but 75 percent don't. 75 percent of families, 75 percent of parents are, despite the environment, doing a job that is keeping their kids weight uh, at a healthy level. And uh, that's good. But some of that is happening with crap diets Mm -hmm. um, and it is inevitable that uh, when those uh, kids hit 16, 17 and 18 and are becoming less active, that with those poor diets, the the weight is only going to go uh, one way.
0: Talk to me about treatment then. I know before we came on air, you were saying we some, you know, potentially really good news around that. There, yeah, there is the treatment for obesity, obviously, is, is, is surgery. And with the new drug coming on, online, that may that may change things.
1: The new drug for children who put weight on under the age of five is going to be relevant for a small, small percentage. percentage. Okay, so adult, so
0: adult obesity, it's surgery is the route.
1: Uh, adult obesity, the, uh, the treatment, um, you know, is not eat less, move more. Uh, for those
0: who are very for those who clinically have severe obese. and
1: complex yeah. obesity. So uh, you get uh, skin cancer because you have a genetic predisposition mm-hmm. and you get too much energy from the sun for those genes. And we don't tell you your treatment is sunscreen and wear a hat. You develop obesity because you have a genetic predisposition and you get too much energy from the environment for those genes. There is a lot of people who eat the same amount as you and I who have severe and complex obesity. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would not have been able to say that 15 years ago, 15 years ago. It was inevitable that if you had significant obesity, you were overeating all the time and just eat less, move more. So uh, you cannot tell somebody with severe and complex obesity that eat less, move more is your treatment. It is a part of your treatment, Uh, like putting on the sunscreen and wearing a hat is a part of managing your skin cancer well, so you don't get more of it. Uh, What we have now is surgery as a very effective evidence based treatment. Uh, And we now have medication that's coming uh, that's licensed in Europe not available at the moment at the weight loss doses uh, just because of a supply issue. uh, Honestly, at the moment, because it's going so well in can in America uh, that the company are having difficulty, uh, you know, organizing their supply. And these medications uh, are hormone based and they, uh, you know, a single A hormone based treatment can give about 17% weight loss, but they're combining these now as, you know, two hormones together or three hormones together that are giving uh, up to 25% weight loss, which is weight loss equivalent to surgery. Mm -hmm. Now, surgery is a, a one stop shop. You know, you have the operation, and then you have to.
0: And pe- what well, people think it's as simple as having the operation, and it, and it, and it it isn't oh, really. It's and and it, it's not. a big, it's a great myth to be able to dispel for people. It's not just you don't just go in and walk out, and all of a sudden you know the weight's fallen off you. It doesn't it doesn't it, you know it's hard and it's hard work. Sur- pre- and post.
1: Yeah, surgery is a tough road. Um, and it's a road that most of our patients are really reluctant to even think about when they come to our clinic. And, and it's we have to convince them after working with them for six months that look, surgery is the best option for you. And we now know, you know, when you remove a half or a large part of the stomach, uh, the stomach creates a whole load of different hormones. The stomach creates hunger hormones. The stomach creates hormones that slow your energy burn. So when you remove half of the stomach, your hunger hormones drop. Uh, you, some of the hormones that we're switching off, your energy uh, are gone. So your energy levels, uh, energy burn increases. Um, so uh, the, the, the mechanism through which the operation works We're beginning to uh, explore and understand uh, more and more. Um, And that in itself will lead to, you know, better understanding, leads to better treatments. But we are at a point now where uh, we have a a range of options uh, that are safe and effective for treating uh, your severe and complex obesity.
0: If we're sitting here, hopefully in a year's time, and we see progress my my question is what three takeaways can our listeners take from the episode with yourself that you think progress on on a personal level for them what are the three really important if someone's listening in who is overweight or obese and we know what yeah. it's, it's it's what six out of ten uh, adults yeah. in Ireland so six out of ten of our listeners and if they're 12 months, i tuning back into an episode with yourself, and myself in a healthier place. What are the three simple or most important things you'd like them to take from today's ep?
1: Um, I, I suppose uh, the maintaining a healthy weight or maintaining your weight uh, and not gaining. So uh, anybody who comes back to our clinic and has not put on weight they're making an effort Okay,
0: so weight maintenance is weight really maintenance important
1: is health. is is huge and and the key to weight maintenance is self-monitoring so and and all, all the discussion about does that trigger etc you know it doesn't there i think there's very good evidence that stepping on the scales once a week or once a fortnight and just knowing that you're holding your own is great okay
0: so tip one weight maintenance
1: uh, there has to be, uh, and this is going to sound really basic, but I mean, it's the things I'll be telling myself when I'm thinking about next year. Um, physical activity levels that are, um, you know, at least uh, I'm going to say five percent uh, built from last year. Uh, so I remember when I was 45 deciding I'm going to do my age plus one in press ups uh, and I. I don't know why I decided it, but I was delighted after because I said, "Okay, that's something that I'm not going to let go down with age. Um, And, uh, you know, I've stuck to that maybe five mornings a week, you know. Uh, Of course,
0: that ties in with Roseanne Kenny's research and report that as you age, you should move more, not less.
1: Oh, and and as you know, the number of people, older adults who come to me and they'll be concerned about a tremor. And they think it's oh, Parkinson's or something. <clears throat> and it's just loss of muscle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, uh, resistance uh, with their water bottles or light uh, dumbbells. And the tremor is gone. And they're delighted. Uh, so okay, so uh, more two, activity. Move, move more. And then it has to be around uh, the, the fruit and veg and, and and nutrition. I mean, like it's it's not rocket science. you and in you're... some
0: respects, that's that's the challenge, isn't it? That in, in all fairness, every time you you know we chat or, or anyone talks health, who who is responsible and who's qualified, I suppose is the word I would use. It's not sexy. It's move nope. more, eat better. You know, more fruit yeah. and veg, balance. It's a yeah. lot of the same kind of stuff. I and mean, I suppose that's the hard sell is that you're not selling something sexy and new and and and, yeah. and all the rest.
1: And then from a HSE, you know, what what should people expect of their health service uh, next year? Um, We, you know, we need to see access to surgery for people with severe and complex obesity improved. We need to see access to drugs that are becoming available. Uh, We need to see those getting some reach. Um, And it has been an extraordinarily difficult process trying to get the a health system to press go on establishing three surgical centers for managing severe and complex obesity. And uh, you were talking about the decision making system in business, where it's a simple straight up to the top and back down. Uh, we went to the top a couple of weeks ago to Paul Reed to say it's not happening again. There's no surgery for severe and complex obesity planned for next year. Um, And in fairness to him, he said, and we brought it to him because he's the chief executive of the organization, said, look, we've told everybody else. He said, but it has to happen. And we need to start it happening now. And uh, there has been a flurry of activity over the last couple of weeks. And three centers are being sent out who to start recruiting for next year to get start increasing access to surgery for severe and complex obesity. So if by next year there are not three centres, uh, one of ours, we, you know, will will be grown, but one in Galway will be properly funded and one in Cork will be started. If that hasn't happened by this time next year, uh, then uh, the HSE, uh, if you like, yardstick for what will things look like in a year will be a big fail from my point of view
0: I could see it here all will say Tabitha's in my ear telling me to wrap it up um, it, but it, it, every time we chat I'm fascinated by your level of knowledge you just you, you, yeah you're like the Gandalf of health it's just, it's fascinating it's all and, I yeah, do and, I mean like I, yeah. that's,
1: I, I do uh, obesity and it's you know I but love it,
0: it. I think people listening will get your passion for it and we've always got that obviously but also you just have, you've got content and it just comes out and it's fascinating, it's brilliant. We will as ever chat in the future. Uh, we love having you yeah. on and as to our listeners, it's been fantastic to see you. Keep up the cycling and uh, and all the press ups, very important. Thank you. Uh, Donald, thank you so much for coming in. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry in association with Leia Healthcare. It's been fascinating, and I could sit here for a lot longer. Uh, I hope you've taken from it exactly what I have and put those tips into action. As ever, you know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, realhealth at independent.ie. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. It's long ago. Healthcare, looking after you always. Pride sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.